0: Well, how about that? Hey everybody, it is Christmas Eve. 8 hours down and who knows how many more Wong got in front of him tonight. What is it? About... Yeah, 5 before 9, so we got an early tonight. Bill, Bill left the building early. Oh. You know, Patricia and I were in chat room the last couple of weeks talking about Snoopy. And I have a tremendous fondness for... Being, what you're hearing here in the background is Charlie Brown Christmas," and special part of my life because I can remember. Um, some of you may know I, I am totally blind, and when I lost my sight, or actually when I going through all my eye surgeries, uh, it's about 1973-74, and the music that was coming out at the time was You're a Good Man Charlie Brown from the stage play. And I memorized practically all the songs on that cassette tape, so I've always had a fondness for Snoopy, Charlie Brown and the gang. So, we're going to sit back here, relax for a few minutes, and enjoy some of the Charlie Brown Christmas music here on Yesterday USA. hey, what timing, I can't do any better than that, you know, drop off Charlie Brown and Snoopy, and hello, Ken Golf and Patricia, how are you guys doing this evening?
1: Merry Christmas, Walden.
2: And Ken, Merry Christmas to you, too. And same to you, Miss Pat.
1: Thank you.
0: Well, Ken, what's the day been like today for for you today? I I knew you had to
2: work. Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, Uh, it was kind of strange. It was a a shorter day than usual. Uh, They only had us... Each work six hours rather than eight but it was the longest six hours of my whole life I'll tell you it was just uh, a lot of work because they uh, not so much because there were a lot of customers although we did have a lot of customers in uh, Home Depot today but today uh, our managers decided let's tear down a bunch of displays and put up some new ones and so I spent most of the day running up and down a ladder and Uh, Let me tell you, when 5 o'clock rolled around and I could leave, I was very happy.
0: (laughs) You were the first one to leave the door practically, yeah? Uh,
2: Well, not the first one, but uh, I was moving pretty quick, I'll admit that. (laughs) Patricia, what's your day been like?
1: It has been a work day, and it was fine. I got um, more than I expected done and less than I needed to. (laughs)
0: Well, I got three hours of sleep. I don't know. I got off the air at 3 Eastern time, and you know who kept me on until another hour off air.
3: <laughs> we'll talk with Brian. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then
0: I got, got three hours of sleep and uh, did eight, eight hours of broadcasting. Uh, the house is a total disaster at the moment because... Um, my brother have surprised the family with, well, my dad, a 60-inch TV screen, and we don't know where to put it, so... How did, was your dad surprised? Uh, yes, because Mom and Dad went shopping for fruit and vegetables. They drove into the garage, and, you know, a box like that size you can't wrap, so my brother and Ashley just put Merry Christmas to Dad in the garage, blocked the whole garage. So for the last three days... We're trying to rewire the whole house and the whole the whole and I think gonna go for several more hours tonight.
1: So I don't know. I don't know. Thinking they were going to put a head of lettuce away and they went Yes. <laughs> with some big screen T V in the garage. That is so cute. I'm so glad he's pleased. Oh well I
0: I say so. Mom had to be good sport about it. But she said that's the problem with, with three guys. You don't always get a chance to uh, d- decide what the decorum is going to look like in the house. uh it
1: uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Whatever works, Walden, is fine by me. Probably so looks like a lo- priority house. <laughs> Say what?
2: Probably looks like a fraternity house.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, never having been in one, I don't know. <laughs> I would not. Walden, do you open gifts, does your family open gifts on the eve or on the day? Well, when I was growing
0: up, I think like all of us we have bigger families than the families and what we used to do is the christmas gifts were open from people from out of town christmas eve night uh-huh. and then we would open the family gifts christmas day uh now i think we have moved uh everything to christmas day um so we traditionally we have two big meals um, but my mom uh, has decided to get out of uh, cooking for one meal, so we're going to the Marriott Hotel for uh, Christmas Day brunch. So that saves her one meal. Um.
1: <laughs> Good for your mom. her hey for me.
0: So, um, so whenever uh, I roll out of bed this morning, whenever that's gonna be, we have appointment at, at the Marriott at 11:30. So that's that's sort of game plan. And I'm imagine uh we'll either open gift before or after that, that's, that's, that but sort of big thing for our family after you open a present we don't it doesn't take a very long maybe a half hour and have your big meal what you do for the rest of the day and the, traditionally my family we love playing games so we will get out uh trivial pursuit or card games or whatever Get to sort of wind down the rest the rest of the day that's how we so that's we always spend Christmas.
1: That is a really nice custom. Mm-hmm. Sounds
3: fun.
0: Who wins? Uh, well, there are certain games outlawed in the family because you know who is um, considered to have a sort of a story advantage in certain categories.
1: I wonder which. <laughs> <laughs> well, Do we get to guess on this? Well,
0: uh, we only got a chance to play Trivial Pursuit Christmas-style once. Awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, sports once. Uh-huh. Uh, um, There's a message in here, isn't there? Yes. They buy They buy, They buy. buy a game once, and if I win, then I, I don't
1: ever get to see it again. Oh, well, you know. So much for the competitive spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make everyone feel good right about now. Um, assuming you understand, of course, that I'm not out on the roads where it looks like a Where's Waldo It is balmy. We've got barely a breeze, and it's clear, and if I look out, I'll probably be able to see the moon, and I don't have any shoes on. Now, how many other of (laughs) you listeners can say that? That's
0: disgusting. I know it. (laughs) We had a beautiful day. We were in the 70s today. Are you? And a little nerve-wracking at the moment, because parts of uh, L.A. are supposed to have up to 70 mile per hour wind tonight. Whoa! So... So, you know, people are always worried with that kind of wind factor about fires and that kind of thing. So, Oh,
3: my God. So
0: sort of, we are sort of hunker down to see what the water's going to be like through, through the rest of the night. But uh,
1: I hope everyone is safe. hmm
0: It's
1: a rough thing to look at. Yeah. So, Ken, what's
0: the water like in your neck of the woods?
2: Well, we had a lot of wind yesterday. I was out running errands, and every time I went to get out of the car... The wind would slam the door back into me, so I'm kind of feeling battered and bruised right about now. But uh, and then a week ago, uh, tomorrow? No, a week ago, yesterday, we got our first big snowstorm of the year. We got like uh, about 10 inches overnight,
3: from oh. Saturday
2: night to Sunday, and uh, that everybody by surprise. It's kind of funny, from one year to the next, it seems like, although we get a lot of snow in Michigan every winter, it seems like from one year to the next, everybody forgets how to drive in it. So when they get that first snowstorm of the season, it just throws everybody for a loop.
0: Now, would you say that true for all the different states you lived in? I mean, when you're in your radio days, you moved to some different cities and different states. Would you find the same habits be about the same, that people would forget to drive? Well, it,
2: When I left Michigan, it was to go to Delaware, Mm -hmm. and the average winter in Delaware is maybe one very light dusting of snow, and the rest of it is like rainy days, although while I was down there, (laughs) we had uh, one winter where every weekend during the month of January, we got socked with a blizzard, Mm -hmm. and uh, because they so rarely have snow, trying to find a snow shovel in the state of Delaware isn't easy to do. And then, uh, oh boy, when I was up in Vermont and New Hampshire, that was a nightmare because it seemed like you only got snow in three foot increments and it was always that wet, heavy packing type of snow. And that coupled with the fact that I was up in a mountainous region. In fact, it seemed like when I lived in Vermont, everybody that did live in Vermont lived at the top of a very steep driveway and that included me. So that when you finally got to the top of the driveway and pulled into your parking space, you pretty much felt like you were in the space shuttle ready to blast off (laughs) you were almost laying on your back. It was just so upright. And uh, I had quite a lot of adventures trying to get down this winding dirt driveway that uh, had uh, just a small ditch on one side that if you got one wheel into it, you were gonna get stuck. And on the other side, there's no fence, no wall, no nothing. And if you went over that edge, you were going to go about about 25 feet into a creek. So uh, anytime it started snowing and I had to go down that driveway, it was always an adventure. And then uh, when we lived out on Cape Cod, that was kind of like, believe it or not, even though you're right on the uh, water there, it was a lot like Delaware in that the average winter, You know, you might got one or two dustings of snow and and a lot of rain, although, again, when we were out in Cape Cape Cod, one of the years we were out there, in January, we got blasted with I don't know how many feet of snow, and that that just shut down everything. I mean, everything was closed, nobody could get anywhere, and... Like, again, like I say, an adventure. So.
1: Those are the kinds of winters that hot chocolate were made for.
2: That's right. And <laughs> exactly these, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> things like that weren't invented
2: indiscriminately.
1: Right, right. Well, Kim, was there one state that really
0: adapted to uh, the Christmas motif? I mean, in other words, I'm wondering for, about Vermont. I mean, we all know that Vermont is legendary for small-town stories. They, you know, they basically have kept the big boys out. And have do they have sort of adapted a christmas theme during the Christmas scene I'm thinking of sh- small town america
2: yeah uh, pretty much that, that of, of all the states i've lived in that would probably be uh, my favorite one to be in when it came to be Christmas time because uh, despite the, the snow and, and dealing with that it was just uh, a lot of trees a lot of pine trees and when the snow would fall on that oh, it was just like living in a in a picture postcard or a Christmas card and uh, it was just so nice and uh, there was a fellow that lived down the road that uh, I worked with uh, this was back when I worked at a grocery store and uh, on, as a sideline he made his own maple syrup syrup
3: Wow
2: he would uh, tap the trees and uh, run the sap down through the lines and, and gather that and then take it into this little shed he had out back behind his house, and you'd drive by there and you'd see all this steam billowing out of the back of this shack, and he'd be in there boiling the sap to make the syrup. But it, it, was, it was really a nice place. Probably my, of all the places I've lived, probably I like that the best.
0: Have you be- ever been into the Vermont Country Store? I mean, I've seen it online.
2: In we- fact, I did go once while we were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a whole bunch of us went together, and, uh, oh, that's really that neat place it's like the old-fashioned uh, as the name implies a country store with the wooden floors and it's got everything you can think of from uh rocking chairs to uh oh, you name it they got everything I, that's, that's the only place i've ever been where i actually saw a uh, bay rum aftershave available for <laughs> purchase i
0: mean i i look at the i look at the store and I'm almost tempted to get there for Christmas one year. They still have deluxe bars of toilet soap in the boxes. And I thought that would be a neat thing to get some of those and add some of the radio shows with it. I think that would be a neat Christmas yep, yep. gift to somebody who really loves old-time radio. Yep. You know, all the, all the old-fashioned products that they still have uh, in the store for crying out
2: loud. hmm And there's, like you said, there's, there's all kinds of little stores like that mm-hmm. all through that state. And it's... Uh... It's just a very scenic state, and um, in the spring and the fall, when you don't have to worry about the treacherous roads because of the snow, it's it's just oh, it's just heavenly. I, I really enjoyed living there.
0: Was radio the same in each state? The time you were uh, making a living at radio, was it pretty much the same?
2: Yeah, I. Yeah. Uh, Toward the end of the time I was in radio was when they were just getting into using um, computers and digital sound editors rather than reel-to-reel tape recorders and uh, uh, just various uh, tape devices to play commercials or, or even music. It was just changing over to the digital era, so to speak. And that's when it was starting to evolve from... You'd have, you know, local people who worked at the local radio station and, and were on-air personalities. To, it was getting to be more and more satellite, where there might be a guy sitting in uh, Houston, Texas, and his show's being heard on any number of stations all across the United States. It was like a, a it was literally a syndicated radio show, and uh, so it was, you know, it was getting, it was changing that way, but. Uh, it was pretty much the same. I, I, every place I ever worked, it was a small-town station, but uh, that was kind of nice, too, because it, it, they didn't take themselves quite so seriously and uh, wasn't as much pressure. So, yeah, it was pretty much the same everywhere.
0: Patricia, I was wondering, I know you have a career in the administration in hospitals. What would you guys do during Christmas time to keep people morale up? There had to be some things you would do, maybe for the patients or the staff. For some people, it's got to be a really hard time being in a hospital during Christmas time.
1: That's a really great question, Walden, and I'm not sure that... I I don't recall that we ever did anything special in the sense that we planned to have um, special goodies brought in for patients or... You know, we, we very much relaxed the rules. Um, they, it was at a time when they were pretty hard-nosed about having visitors at different times during the day, and we just said, "My gosh, you know, if you've got family here, my goodness, enjoy them." So it's those little concessions—I say concessions. I mean, they, we never should have had <laughs> restrictions to begin with, but um, those kinds of things were good. With the staff, it was—it um, was just an accepted. We were in a position of working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, the business just never closed down. You couldn't say, well, okay, tomorrow is Christmas, so we're going to close the doors and not have anybody here. And so it, it was a general acceptance on the part of the staff that somebody had to work on Christmas, somebody had to work on New Year's, and... They shared the days off. Um, Each person, depending on seniority, got picks, and everybody got something. It wasn't that there was anyone who had to work all of the holidays, and especially over the winter holidays. Um, Everybody got a day off or some days off, but um, the ones who were senior got to pick first.
0: I was just wondering about the mental frame of the patient. I mean, you always hear about people going through serious depression, and... I guess the nurses are just so busy going from one duty to another that they're not able to give personal attention to just to say a, a sharing word or just something just so you can get somebody out of that fuck.
1: Yeah, uh, they, indeed they did. Uh, spent an awful lot of time with the patients and, um, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do to make a situation any better or any different for them. You just don't have to make it more difficult. And spending time with them and, yeah, making sure that they got the attention that they needed and deserved, especially at, at a holiday time. Sure, we did that. Did that.
0: Next loaded question for tonight, Patricia. Uh-oh.
2: Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. Here we go. What
0: <laughs> What's to, is your favorite Christmas literature? My Christmas literature? Yep. Book, play, novel, something with a Christmas thing. Um, as, as a writer, when you when you look at something as, with a writer's eye, you could you would say that could not have been put together any better.
1: Oh gosh, which one would you like?
0: Any of them. If you, subject, you,
1: me, I'm just handing over to you. You played uh, Snoopy and Charlie Brown the music yes. earlier tonight. Yep. I don't think the entire Charlie Brown series, Christmas Included, was, uh, the whole series was a masterpiece of writing. Um, it was one of the times when the writing was geared for adults and children at the same time, and it worked on both
3: ends.
0: How can you do that? I mean, <laughs> I mean, how can an author balance that? I mean, it's got to be the most difficult thing in the world to do.
1: I think it Probably is a very difficult thing. I've never written anything for a dual audience like that, so I, I truly don't know how they pull it off. But I think part of the success in something like that is running around to the other side of the table and pretending you're a kid and writing as you would if you were a child.
0: Okay, so how? So would you write it? You, okay, if you are going to tackle a project like that. Would you write it as an adult, then when you're rereading it to yourself, would you look at it through a kids' eyes?
1: I would do it the other way around. Okay. I would write it as, in the mental frame of mind, as a child. I would write the story as if I were a child telling a story, and then when I went back to reread it, I would read it as an adult. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. That doesn't... I really
0: mean anyone else would do it that way. How <laughs> about you Ken, when you when you had to work on Christmas Day in the radio business, would you have a couple of things to stock away, maybe a maybe a story to tell or something to relate to the audience? What would you have in your reserve that you maybe just pull out for the holiday season?
2: Well, it depended on which station I was working at. It. Uh one that I worked at, it was a, an FM country music station in here on Michigan just about uh, an hour north of where I'm sitting right now they had this special that they would play every year and I think it was called A Country Christmas and it was on reel I don't know how many hours long it was like 12 or more hours long and each hour was one reel of tape and you'd put that on at the beginning of the hour and you'd play it and there would be country stars who would come on and talk about what Christmas was like when they were growing up. And then on would come them singing one of the, one or the other of the Christmas songs. And um, we'd have to stop the tape and insert commercials every now and again and do news at the top of the hour. Uh, that's what happened at that station. And the reason for it was is, um, so that we did, I guess, so we didn't have to work quite so hard. On, you know, if you had to work on Christmas Day, at least you didn't have to work so hard. You didn't have to queue up each record individually and, and announce it or back announce it. And so that's the way it went at, at uh, the country station for Huron and I think all the others. It was just a matter of um, if you were working on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, you'd play uh, Christmas music. And um, I don't know, I, I never...
0: How about when you were hosting a talk show? Would you keep something in reserve or would just would that be a hard day to really generate calls?
2: Yeah, it would be kind of a hard day to get calls. Uh, I, <laughs> I remember um, uh, when we were doing the talk show, uh, the first year that we did the talk show, and it was Christmas season, we were actually filling in for the people who were doing the talk show uh the morning drive talk show at that time from like six to 10 AM they were on vacation. So we were filling in for them and I had all sorts of preparation there. We, uh, I took a audio clip from, um, uh, one of the many movie versions of a Christmas Carol where the, uh, ghost of, uh, a Christmas present, I believe is mocking, um, Scrooge with, are there no prisons, are there no workhouses, are there no prisons, are there no workhouses, and we'd play that, clips like that coming back in from a commercial break or going into a commercial break just to try and, uh, you know, Christmas it up a little, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and to... no
1: workhouses,
2: that's good Christmas, <laughs> Well, when, when we played that one, we were coming back from a commercial, and, um, I'm, I, I said, uh, I'm trying to think of the politician's name I used. It was somebody that had a reputation for being kind of curmudgingly. And I said, no, that's not so-and-so, that's a clip from, uh, you know, from A Christmas Carol. I can't remember who who I used. Um,
1: probably good that you don't.
2: Probably just as well. It wouldn't be good to be sued at this what point. The?
1: One time was enough. Yeah.
2: I Uh, got away with it then, so no use in pushing my luck now, I guess.
0: You're a passion for John Denver. You recall the first time you heard his song? Did you ever, uh, ever got see him performing live?
2: Uh, never got to see him perform live, uh, although he was through the Detroit area many times. Uh... I think the first time I ever heard him sing was when they played uh, Take Me Home Country Roads on the radio, because I remember buying that 45 single. And then later I bought his first uh, volume of Greatest Hits. And I remember my, uh, speaking of Christmas time, I think it was in December, about his second TV special was on and my father was watching it and I was just sort of going through the room I I wasn't actually sitting down and and paying that close attention but I happened to go through the room at one point where he he did something kind of silly which I thought was funny and I remember my dad laughing at it It was um, about halfway (laughs) halfway through the special after he'd sung several songs he said I know what you're thinking to yourself you're thinking sure he can sing But can he juggle? And as he said, can he juggle? They threw three balls out to him, and he started juggling. And then they just went off into something else. But um, it was just that kind of almost warped humor that I always have appreciated.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you were talking about um, Christmas time on a country station and pulling out uh, a country star and sort of them talk about their uh, memories first time I seem to remember that happening for me was in the mid seventies they did it with Tennessee early Ford.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I seem to remember them doing it with John Denver in the early eighties. Yeah. I think he was I think he was living in Colorado at the time or something. And it was a one or two hour block. I, I seem to remember they uh, would do that with different people.
2: Well I know that several of his T V specials were Christmas specials, mm-hmm. but I think he did I know he did at least one with the Muppets and maybe more than one that was um, Christmas-related. And then there was one that was, um, I think it was on his property there in Aspen, Colorado, and they had this big, its like a greenhouse thing, only it was like a big fishbowl turned upside down. And <laughs> that's where the stage was, that's where he was, that's where the small audience was. I think Olivia Newton-John was one of the guests Stars on that particular special, and uh, I remember there was a point where, they had, for some reason, they had butterflies flying around in the inside of this great big dome, and he put his finger out, and the butterfly came and landed right on his finger, and I always wondered how did he do that? And I must have been just pure luck mm-hmm. to have something like that happen. So, um, yeah. Uh, I think of uh, him in connection with Christmas a lot. He had at least one Christmas album that I know of. And I think the cut the song on that album that sticks out most in my mind is just because it's got such a bizarre title is something along the lines of please daddy don't get drunk for Christmas. Mhm.
0: I can't even recall
2: really that. Yeah. <laughs> What's
0: <Which>, uh <laughs> You're kidding, right? No. Oh, it, it, it was It was like he, he talked about his memory as a child, and he was hoping his dad would not get drunk for Christmas. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. That yeah. one hurts. I seem to remember that. It was on an 8-track tape. Well, I oh. think I got my copy of that. Yeah.
3: That
1: one stinks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then speaking of Christmas and, uh, us having to listen to uh grandma got burned over by a reindeer there toward oh, the end thank of the you, show I, I couldn't tell a story about that I, I i hated that song and of course you did oh yes and people always would call up and want to hear it oh, God, yeah so it was a saturday afternoon and i was on the air from noon to six this was at that station in port here on the country station and they would come calling for, you know, they'd call for it and you'd play it, and 10 minutes later, somebody who had just tuned in and hadn't heard it would call up and want to hear it again. (laughs) So, I don't know, the cheese kind of slipped off my cracker that afternoon, because we had two copies of that song. We had the studio version and a live version, believe it or not, and I started going back and forth between the two. I played the studio version, then I played the live version, then I played the studio version, then I played the live version. And this went on about 20 minutes until the phone started ringing. And now all the people who had been calling up and wanting to hear it were calling up and saying, please stop playing that
3: sound.
2: So uh, I stopped playing it. It's a miracle that uh, the manager of the station didn't hear me and come in and kick the door down and drag me off. but. it was just another one of those things I got away with, I guess. He
1: tuned you out when the first time. Served. Probably, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't even listening. Well,
2: that's the, that's the, I was telling somebody at work the other day. That's the funny thing. You would think if there was one genre of music that people would have a respect for. Oh, yes. And that they wouldn't mess with it or
0: So now... 1983, uh, I remember that.
2: Right, word. that wow. happened like mid-year or maybe yeah. in the spring. Now it rolls.
0: about the Korean uh, shot down is to the Iran uh, hockey situation 79 mm-hmm. and if you might recall that there was a major request to the American public to send some form of Christmas item to the hockey at that Christmas time
3: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I just sort of forgotten all about that until you mentioned about the Korean thing Yep. you know American public can be very good about that kind
3: of
0: yeah. thing It yep. really can well, Patricia, have you adapted to Alvin being in your life now?
1: <laughs> life without chipmunks is a very good thing to look forward. To. <laughs> I, can, I don't. I don't know. I'm sure the people who are listening haven't heard this yet. Dr. Dale and Walden have teased me forever about the chipmunks. They are
2: And then later you saw the parade go by and all those same people were in their spot on the parade. About the third group of performers that popped up on my TV screen that morning, without any warning, was the chipmunks. <laughs> Three poor individuals, full grown adults judging by the size of them, in head-to-toe chipmunk costumes.
3: Oh my gosh. And
2: they were miming and dancing to that... Uh, Christmas. Oh, I hoop. And it's like, oh my <laughs> goodness. Isn't how many nothing people super? out there know what a hula hoop is? Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, truly. I, I was asking. I think it was Dr. Dale. I was asking the other night. How many people know what a hula hoop is? Yeah, I you know. I haven't
2: seen one like. in years. <laughs> I
1: know. I know. So, well then, you're going to have sort of dinner, kind of brunchish, like early dinner.
0: Uh, it'll be, it'll be, I would say, a uh, brunch slash lunch. So, in other words, we won't, traditionally, my mom makes wonderful cinnamon rolls. So, when we were out of bed, we look for the cinnamon rolls, and it has to be gooey. Because my brother and I, uh, mom claims it's the fault of the oven. It should not be gooey, but that's the way I've grown up with them for 41 years. So, it has to be nice, warm, and gooey. And so that will be sort of our appetizer, uh, just to hold it together until, uh, until brunch, or slash lunch. And then, uh, probably dinner will be just leftover, uh, honey-baked ham kind of thing, so.
1: Like a winner. Yeah, yeah. Dad did a lot of work decorating outside. Mm-hmm. But d- tell me about it. It is, well,
0: I, you know, I think, and I, this probably was true for most of America, um, here where I live, it's definitely a strong Midwest feel about it. Uh, all, um, it's a tight-knit group, and so the neighbors know each other, the neighbors will help each other, and it's basically Christmas has taken on a life of its own in the outdoor display. Mhm. Uh-huh. And... It's almost gotten to the point like it was pre-1974. If you would recall, you would see a lot of houses with Christmas lights until we got into our first energy crisis. And I think uh, Nixon or uh, one of the, uh, his administration, in order to save electricity, discouraged it for uh, having the Christmas lights on very long. And it was sort of, you had a downward trend for many, many years. But here in California, it's almost back to full force. And... Uh, our house, um, we are the last one because uh, uh, it starts way early November here. And across the street is uh, one of my friends who um, eats one of the mucky mucks of sea candy. And he, he's the one that has the Monday night football party and he serves the whole neighborhood. Come all. Come have free gourmet meals on, on me. And so the whole neighborhood gathers in the garage throughout the week. And Denny, with that spirit, have decorated his house. He would hire cranes, because he's in the construction business, that would come and put people up way up top in the trees to hang all the Christmas lights. Uh, the next door neighbor would have a full force Christmas tree on top of the roof. Uh, The next, we also have the outdoor speaker system with Christmas music ringing throughout the whole neighborhood at nighttime. So I can walk out of my garage to grab a soda pop, and I will be hearing Rudolph or Bing or Nat King Cole all throughout the house.
1: And no chipmunks.
0: No chipmunks, no. No
1: chipmunks. Uh, Well, then, is there a sense of competition that is growing out of this? No, I think there's really two driving force. And
0: I think it hasn't gotten to the furry McGee and Molly's phase where uh, we have blown out the, the, uh, the lot. Uh, but many, many people, I live in a culver sack, and I'm on the corner. So many people would take, take a turn and park right here in that culver sack to watch all the decorations. We have, um, my uh, Uncle Walden owned a uh, pharmacy. He was in the family for a hundred years, and being the pharmacy business, you would get some interesting knickknacks. And what he had was a six-foot-tall snowman shoveling snow. And when he and it would be motorized. And so when he, when he passed away in 84, that was the, one of the couple of things I requested for. And so naturally, that was uh, put on a, a truck to be brought back to California. And that was our main, one of our main entrees here on the, uh, in the streets. And it was interesting, uh, one night, uh, snowman is so big, he had his own private chain, and we were chained to the, uh, to the wall. Uh, one night on a Sunday night at 9 o'clock, we heard a big crash outside, and dad came looking outside, and there was snowman on the floor. And we saw a car speed away, so somebody was going to try to kidnap Snowman without seeing all the, he was locked Display. We have, uh, Snoopy, Charlie Brown, and a Christmas tree together, uh, with a light display. And in order to get the proper lighting, we have spotlights to put on it. Uh-huh. And so, and then naturally, the, uh, Dad and I getting up there was, uh putting up Christmas lights and things. Uh, we try to go with the current trend this year, having multi-colored lights. And we had one strand of flashing lights in the middle, but when mom drove home, she didn't like the way that looked. So that went down. So the whole house line is nothing but. Uh, multi-colored uh, Christmas light this year. The
1: whole world is a critic. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. I trust your mom's taste, though. I would hope
0: so. You know, she, huh? she uh, being the only female in the family, she can sometimes feel like she's, you know, at uh, a losing battle, you know, with the three of us living here, with, with that, you know, that's with her going through the TV uh, phase of the life, and her claiming my bedroom's going to sink every two or three months you know, with all the milk and crammies of radio shows and everything locked in this one room, you know, she's uh, uh, she's very she's very patient to let me get the uh, keep uh, loading this room down, down, and down with, with stuff. That's
2: what very I want to see, Walden's radio room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's my bedroom, my office, my radio room, I have a specially made bed with six major drawers uh, with, built by a a master carpenter, a German master carpenter, um, built a specially made bed. I have drawers coming off from underneath the bed. Uh, I have wall units laying uh, through the foothead, wall units, uh, two rows in the closet, a whole unit on the back wall, and the radio room and the computer on the other wall. It's a good thing I don't have to see. I don't have claustrophobic, phobosy, you know.
2: How many uh, old-time radio shows would you say you have in your collection, Wallace?
0: I haven't counted in a long time, but if I really had to g- guess, I would say probably close to 20,000 on cassette and CD. Wow. If I had to guess. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness for the old-time radio clubs. I can be I can financially afford to build the collection. If you if I was buying it at uh, due with prices, there's no way. Yeah. You know. But uh. Well, when you accumulate for 30-plus years, that's what happened.
2: Yeah, you
3: yeah.
2: Know, <laughs> you know. Well, speaking of, of of accessing those old shows, that website address you sent me, Miss Pat, with the, with the re, old-time radio archives?
3: Oh, yes.
2: That's like dying and going to heaven right it's, there. It is. I mean, know. it's
1: like being in a library in your own bedroom. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's
1: just,
2: <laughs> Wonderful. I, if I could just think of some way to never have to go to work again, I could just sit in here for the rest of my life and download all these programs.
1: Oh, gosh, you can do it anyway. Cass. Yeah. <laughs> you can do that. So, um, Walden, in your area, yes. you have a lot of people who have moved from snow-type country uh huh. I, I
0: I live probably in the more conservative country, conservative part in the country. Boyne uh-huh. County conservative considered that. Um, and it's a very strong Midwestern field to my little community. Hmm. A lot of people from Iowa, and Nebraska. Um.
1: Does it take them a long time to get? I could, This is something that people ask me all the time. But mm-hmm. I've been in Florida for so long, I have to sit and think about the answer. Hmm. Does it take them a while to acclimate to the Christmas season when they're not feeling Christmas weather? They're not cold. There's it,
0: it takes a year.
1: No ice.
0: How long? It takes about one year.
1: One year. Yeah,
0: because because Mom, uh, when she first moved out here, could not understand why everybody was cold. <laughs> well, it's true. You know, after the second year rolled around, she could, couldn't believe how cold California was. You know. Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. As you talk about the weather wise it takes me a year. In terms of Christmas, the Christmas. Yeah. Um, I think it's still a pretty good, it's still a strong field. I mean, we have, we, we have, we get, we do a major neighborhood exchanges. In other words, neighbors bake all over, and I can't tell you how often we, uh. Get goodies dropped off by the neighbors. And my mom spent one whole day nothing but baking for the neighborhood. You know, we have that feeling of Christmas around here. It's
1: pretty big. Yeah. You know. And there's something about weather that triggers emotional responses. Mm-hmm. And I think you probably can relate to this. I know that we've talked a little bit about this at different times mm-hmm. that when the weather changes, the life changes.
2: Yeah. It's like when you go days and weeks without sunlight.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that definitely has an effect uh, on the yeah. average person. It does it on me anyway. I know that happens.
1: When you're accustomed to having um, limited sunlight, the, the, the amount of light during the day is less. People say the days are shorter. I always get 24 hours in them, no matter what, but um, they've got less light in them, and there's an oppressiveness from having to lock up the doors and lock up the windows and stay inside, and you get the dry heat, Mm -hmm. and you go to a place like Florida or California, and everybody's outside. They're all active. It's no winter snow. There's no preparation for winter. Um, There aren't any hurricanes in winter, and... The mindset is, it, it takes a while for the mindset to get into a Christmas or a holiday swing. I mean, even Valentine's Day and Halloween and all of the holidays that typically fall in cooler or colder weather. It takes people a while to get into the swing and say, okay, it's Christmas next week, let's get going.
2: Yeah. I always have said that I would prefer to have like a light dusting of snow, that would last from Thanksgiving Day until New Year's Day. And then after that, it can go away as far as <laughs> start. And warm right up. I'll be quite happy with that.
3: <laughs> I'm happy with that.
1: Just
2: a little atmosphere for the holidays. and then
1: Atmosphere, that's the word
2: I was searching for. Yeah. So
1: thank you.
0: Yeah, that Christmas card look. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know Brian, well, he'll complain to me about everything, but he can't stand Seattle in the winter because he doesn't see the sun. That's why he will take a trip to California or to Hawaii during the time of the year. That way, he'd go visit the sun once in a while for a week or so. Yeah. Well,
1: well Walden, you know how good I am at geography, and and (laughs) I'm zero on the cipher. I did not know that. Seattle got hit any harder than other parts of the country in terms of winter feeling and winter skies and things
0: like that. Yeah, it gets really, really. If Brian says you don't see the sun for five months, <laughs> and he gets and he can't, we know how Type A Mr. Hager
3: is, <laughs>
0: and and it drives him crazy. That's why he planned he planned a couple of trips just to get out of uh, Seattle in the winter just to go visit the sun.
2: I remember Bill Cosby had a great. Uh, thing on one of his albums about uh, Seattle and how it always rained there and people were used to that. In fact, they were so used to it that if the sun came out, they would walk around going, what did we do wrong? What is is that stuff? Where's our rain at?
0: Yeah, because would tell me that in the summer I didn't realize uh, Seattle the sun will stay up until 10 o'clock.
3: Oh, wow.
0: That's pretty good. I mean, here in California, we're looking until about 6.30, you know. And that, here we're talking, what, maybe 1,500 miles south. So I get that that big of a difference just by the, uh, you know, the geography, I guess. Does
1: he get winter, but he is accustomed to being bathed in summer?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the
1: change is very dramatic for him. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, now, Patricia, now how long does it day sunlight in Florida? Do you guys get it until 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock pretty much year-round, or is it, does it is it like California gets to maybe 4:30 to 6:30? What's the uh, the sun factor in Florida?
1: Typical East Coast. Mm-hmm. It isn't any different. It gets dark before it's supposed to in the in the winter time. I mean, it's the same as it was in the Northeast. It's just not cold most of the time. It's not cold. Mm. Uh, but the sun will be gone. I don't really pay too much attention to it. I guess between 6 and 6:30, we're we're pretty much Saying goodbye to the sunshine, and um, in the summertime it comes up early. It's, it's, I, think it's, I think we have more daylight hours in the summertime than in other places along the East Coast.
0: Did you? How long did it take you to make the adjustment uh, from New York to Florida to for Christmas or so?
1: At 27 minutes. <laughs>
2: Long, huh? Yeah,
1: it was, it was really a bad transition. <laughs> I didn't have any difficulty at all. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just kind of slip into the holiday season, and I guess it doesn't make any difference where I am. Uh, but it, it was a little odd to feel this kind of weather, knowing what I had left behind just the year before, you know, nose-high up to the, our earlobes in snow and not have to face that kind of stuff down here. The, the odd thing, the really odd thing, if there is one, that happened to me is putting up Christmas decorations outside for Christmas in the sunlight in <laughs> 80 degrees. I and mean, washing
2: up a sweat doing
1: it. Why, why are we doing this, you know? <laughs> Is there a reminder on the calendar somewhere? But it was odd. That was the odd thing, was putting up decorations outside. The inside was fine. Christmas shopping was fine. The spirit was fine. But putting up decorations on the house outside was really an odd feeling. What was the big
0: item that was bought at Home Depot this year, Ken? Anything that really went off the shelf?
2: Oh, well, I would imagine. I don't work in that department. But I would imagine the tools. Was a big thing because uh, I know that uh, over there in hardware where they have the tools, there was a huge display of every conceivable tool you could think of from drills to staple guns to hammers and all that kind of thing. And uh, I remember I, I worked the opening shift the day after Thanksgiving, so you can imagine what that was like.
0: Oh, yeah, that's why you told me you got there at 6 in the morning, if I recall, right?
2: Uh, actually, I was there at 5 in the morning. We opened at 6. And there were people standing outside waiting to come in at six o'clock, if you can believe that. Oh. And uh, they, we had they should certain- medical
1: evaluations at the door for people like that. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think, I think that they should. <laughs> yes. I, I, well, again, today, that day and again today, I was, as people were running in at five o'clock in the afternoon on Christmas Eve to start their Christmas shopping, I would just look at them and shake my head and think, wow. <laughs> What I call it's being a, a procrastinator, you know? I'm my kind
0: of person. Yeah. <laughs> How much does a snow shovel and snow blower cost? Considering I never know what the animal looks like out here in California. I mean, are those, are those pretty, you know, mid level items? Yeah. To buy? A snow
2: shovel, probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe about $5. They eh? have several different kinds, some that are a little sturdier than others. And then the snow blowers, um, you know what, I've never even really noticed what the price is on the snow blowers, but again, they've got several different levels, uh, some that can do more than others or throw a greater amount of snow than others, and uh, that, was, uh, that came into play kind of uh, last weekend when we had that snowstorm I was telling you about, because it seems like even though these people live in Michigan, they're never prepared for anything. You know, they'll wait until the snow hits, and then they'll come in to get the snow shovels, and of course... That means we're out of snow shovels in a matter of two hours, and snow blowers not long after that. And then some more people will come in and say, yeah, where's the snow blowers or the snow shovels? We're all out. You're going to be kidding me! It's like, well, I'm afraid everybody and his aunt Fanny's already been in here to get the snow shovels and the snow blowers. So you should have gotten in here sooner. But, uh... They never seem to, you know. They, they wait until the, the blizzard before they come in to get the snow removal equipment. They wait until the flooding to come in and get the sump pumps, so.
3: My kind of person. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <Just> <laughs> no <a> sense <start laughs> hurrying into anything. Of course
1: not. Listen <laughs>
0: Thing a customer done uh, when he walked in the store and you had to interact. What there's something that really sort of popped up that somebody, hey, this person's a really nice person. He sort of, he, he, he was very considerate to me trying to serve him. Well, if there a story, anything that would pop up to your mind?
2: Well, they often, uh, because of where the electrical department, which is of course the department I work in, is situated in the store i mean when you walk in the front door you're almost immediately in our department it's almost like another service desk in that a lot of people will stop us in the service department to ask us where something in another department is and uh not so much outside of the electrical department but if they ask about something that we have in our department i can pretty much tell them okay you want to go down that aisle there it's about the fourth bay down on the right hand side and it's on a shelf that's about belt high. And when I give them that much detail, they usually stop and look at me and go, wow, you really know your stuff, don't you? <laughs> it's like, well, I answer these questions a lot all day long. <laughs> so, he, you know, pretty quickly you get to know where precisely where everything's at. So it's pretty much, you know, they, they, they seem to be pretty impressed with the fact that I can narrow it down to the, the inch where it's at.
0: What's a nice thing that a, a customer can do for a salesperson? I mean, it, it, to make sure he knows what he's asking for to make your job easier? If, if you had to give a, a handbook, what would what would you say would be the best thing for somebody who has no idea what they're looking for to, to ask? Oh,
2: golly. Um, well, in our case, uh, we, we do have Two employees, one full time and one part time, who are to some degree or another licensed electricians. And so, um, if it's a complicated question, because I have to admit I don't know all that much about electricity, but I have a healthy respect for it, so <laughs> I'll tell them, uh, you know, uh, well, we have our electrician here and I'll guide him over to you and he, and he can give you the information you need and probably some more besides Um, uh, just uh, I don't know uh, if if they can be uh, patient uh, a lot of times we'll get like five people will show up and all want to be waited on at the same time and as good as I might be I haven't figured out how to divide myself into five people yet so (laughs) somebody has to do some waiting and if if they're willing to to be a little patient I'll get to them as quickly as possible so I guess uh, Patience, just general garden variety patience would would be what I'd recommend.
0: Patricia, the favorite Christmas decoration do you ever see, that you saw either up in New York or down in Florida really caught your eye.
1: All of them. <laughs>
0: okay, all of them.
1: <laughs> we have a couple of houses here in Florida. Uh, we have, I think, bigger displays than what I was accustomed to in New York, mostly because people can do it. You can get out there without freezing your tushes off and, and uh, keep putting up decorations. We do have a couple of houses here. Uh, there was one I visited several years ago on the not very far north of here, maybe 10 miles from here. And it was a relatively small road. It was in a residential community, but it kind of looped around. It was not a dead end, but it made a complete loop. And so there was really no destination except a circle. And at Christmas time they had cops there because there was such a backup of cars trying to go past this house and these people started in the middle of june
2: to decorate
1: i don't mean plan they were out there putting lights up in june i don't know why they bothered to take them down but they were magnificent they had moving scenes and trains and sounds and songs and interactive features for kids it was just it, it was a labor and they loved it it was just something that they loved to do a and regular
2: busby berkeley production <laughs> i guess
1: i guess it, it was so it's a warm fuzzy to know that there are people who get such a buzz out of making other people happy mm-hmm. it was good it was good so that was my good one
0: how about you ken anything that sticks out your mind of all your travels
2: uh. Well, of course, uh, the the big thing now seems to be those uh, inflatable, clear plastic globes that's got something going on inside of it. It might be a snowman with snow whirling around it and stuff like that. But I think I just prefer the old-fashioned lights, you know, along the peak of the roof of a house and... Uh, not even multicolored. i like blue lights and that might have something to do with the fact that when i was growing up uh before uh we got into artificial trees and, and and bought new lights the the earliest christmas trees i can remember in our home when i was growing up it was all the lights were blue and they were those big bulbs that used to get hot to the touch you know yeah yeah uh, so I think it's, I'm probably nostalgic for that. So I like the, uh, a nice string of blue lights. To me, that's as good as it gets.
0: Yeah, I think blue is my favorite color, so I, I, could, I could vouch for that. Ken, your favorite all-time Christmas radio show. If you had to pick out three or five, it doesn't have to be that number. Give me, give me a rundown.
2: Well, I've always liked uh, any one of the... Lionel Barrymore as Scrooge A Christmas Carol things which they used to do every year for years on end and I still do like that one a lot Um, but just in the last couple of months I've gotten uh, into Jack Benny and I've been enjoying listening to his annual Christmas program because it usually involved the whole gang going down to the department store to buy gifts for each other and, and whoever else and Invariably, they'd get into that routine where Jack would drive the clerk behind the counter crazy because he'd be buying shoelaces for somebody, but he couldn't decide whether to get the shoelaces with the plastic tips or the steel tips, and he'd go back and forth and make the guy wrap them and unwrap them, and uh, then there was, I just heard of the other day, uh, I'm not sure what year it was from, 1950-something, where the Christmas episode starts off with the clerk being at at his psychiatrist talking about how he was dreading that man coming in and driving him (laughs) crazy with the shoelaces again. So that's become one of my favorites as well.
0: Yeah, and he asked to get transferred to Palm Springs. Okay, he figured nobody would do that to him in the date department. Right, right.
2: (laughs) Good one. Yeah.
0: Patricia, any any particular episode? I know it was some of your favorite series, of course, but... Had to pick up.
2: something to do with Fibber McGee. one. Oh,
0: Fibber McGee. <laughs> oh,
1: just love Fibber McGee. Yes. I. The best one for me is the one that has Fibber out in the front yard painting a Christmas tree white because he refused to spend that amount of money mm-hmm. to have somebody just sprinkle a little bit of white on the tree and it would cost him X number of dollars more, so he was going to do it himself. <laughs> wound up in the yard and he did it himself and he did a wonderful job except it wasn't the tree that he bought it was the one that was planted in the front yard that he wound up putting the paint on and teeny was the one who discovered it Mm
3: -mm.
1: so that's my favorite i i do like that show any others well let me see um yeah the one where he fixes the toys for the kids Mm -hmm. and doesn't fix the toys for the kids um it's a wonderful story. You played that not very long ago. Yeah. And it, it's, a, it's a nice story because um, there's a, a fun twist to the end of it. In any other story, the person who played Fibber or a Fibber-like character would wind up looking like adult, which he never does in any of these shows. And it's because of Molly. And one night, maybe we could talk a little bit about that, but... It was a gift from both of them. They wound up giving each other a gift by not giving each other a gift because Fibber spent the money he had for Molly's present to buy the toys for the kids. And he only discovered later that he had enough money to do that because Molly had put in her money that she was going to buy Fibber a gift with. And between the two of them, they gave each other the best gift in the whole world. Why
0: does old-time radio Christmas shows work so well? Why? Ken, what what do you think?
2: I I just think because um, uh, they were just always so well written and the acting was um, always very well done and uh, you know, it's uh, theater of the mind. You know, you can uh, uh, imagine everyone to look however you want them to look and uh, you know, you put a lot of your imagination into it, and it's just—I don't know—just uh, something about the, those shows really captures the Christmas spirit. You know, I suppose because it's uh, audio, and you work in the Christmas music and and stuff like that. But
1: um, I think a good portion of it has to do with the times in which those shows were made. Right. And they were either during World War II or right after World War II and almost everyone, everyone who was listening had their arms around the Depression. Right. And there was such a spirit in the country and among neighbors that it translated into radio shows. You, you felt this warmth, this goodness, this uh, willingness to do without and to do for other people. And it was a natural at that time for people to live that way and be that way. For us, it's like a visit to another planet sometimes. Mm-hmm. And there's something very touching about people who have that mindset, who are... We keep going back to Midwestern and the Midwest work and, and hometown ethics that came along with people. And I think that's, that's a good deal of it. It was the times and the willingness of people to reach out and touch other people.
0: Why the World War II was a boom in the creative arts? In other words, I'm thinking in terms of radio show. I think Feber McGee and Molly grew up during World War II. Uh-huh. The writing. The Jack Benny show, the tail end of the war, the, the Benny writer came into vogue. Uh-huh. Uh, whole, uh, a lot of your comedy shows have shaken the revolver root and became situation comedy. I mean, why during wartime when we had such a bonanza, of good writing.
1: I think part of it was a function of the times, Walden, that uh, the, the entertainment medium was radio. What else did right. people have?
2: Yeah, they it, was came the, home, it was the major was, medium of the day, yeah.
1: Exactly, and it was their outlet, it was their only escape from what was just a dreadful, dreadful time for people to deal with. With um, their their sons and and brothers and grandchildren fighting the war, some of them not coming home, people not knowing what's going to happen next. And the the central element that kind of glued the family together, you see people gathering around the radio. It was was the focal point in the evenings of families. And by demand, I think it it was a, a process of demand. The people expected something good. And the audience was there, and I think writers just rose to the occasion.
2: And of course, during the war years, that's when FDR was doing the fireside chats. And,
1: oh, great
3: point, and, yeah. And that,
2: would, that, that, that too would bring you know, the world at large right into people's homes. There was, as Patricia was saying, it's only, at that time, you only had like radio and you know, the movies, specifically the newsreels. And and of course, you had to go to the theater to see those, but with the radio, you know, at the end of the day, you just turn it on, sit back and relax, and the whole world would parade before your very ears,
1: so to speak. And uh, something like uh, Jack Benny or uh, Bob Hope or Fibber McGee and Molly or The Great Gildersleeve, what bigger group of escape mechanisms could you have? I mean, really, you could get lost in those shows, even Mm. if it were for just half an hour. It was a mini-vacation for people who were facing these kinds of things day after day after day. It was right. a, a way of life for them to live in a crisis. Well,
0: also, I'm just amazed, because I'm just a big radio net anyway, is how much quality was done that 60 years later, it holds up great.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah, well, then you and I have talked about that. Yeah. Endurance. It, it is simply an enduring medium. It will never get old. It will never go away. There was some material that was topical, and I get frustrated when I hear people fussing about it. Well, they, you know, I don't like to listen to this because I don't know what it was at the time. And everything they're talking about is newspapers. Well, oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, how many times can you get a history lesson wrapped up in entertainment like this? Phew! <laughs> so, um, re- they really are timeless absolutely timeless. The humor is wonderful. It's as good today as it was then.
2: And I've just recently been noticing uh, how much after radio sort of phased out and it became TV that a lot of these same people not only would turn their radio show into a TV show where they'd be on the TV, but also a lot of the writers who used to write for radio began writing for TV. I noticed the other day in the uh, credits to... uh, it was the Leave It to Beaver show that uh, two of the writers were guys that had written for Amos and Andy.
0: Correct. Yeah, the, uh, the creators of, uh, of Little Beaver were the two main staffers of the heydays of Amos and Andy of the right. 30, of the of the of the forties and fifties.
2: So that so yeah. that same quality, at least with the with the television shows of the fifties and some of the maybe the early sixties, that same quality would transfer into the into the television era. After radio was no more, and again you have those same talented people plying their craft and uh, and doing a great job of it.
3: Did you,
0: Kim? Would you based on talk radio? Cause we I've noticed lately a lot of us who were not born of the old time generation, besides having loved old time radio, also had uh, an interest in talk radio. Would Would that ever a uh of you going up? Or it- yeah, I, uh,
2: when I was uh, a teenager and uh, nearing uh, high school graduation and then after graduation, I had spent some time listening to, you know, uh, top 40 radio stations, but also uh, found myself listening to talk radio a lot. Uh, in fact, uh, during some of the summers when I was still in high school and I could stay up half the night, I would be... I might have the lights off and laying in bed, but I'd be up half the night listening to talk radio. And, uh, you know, whether it was um, of a political nature or there used to be a a, a program. I don't know if it's still around or not anymore. I haven't heard it in years. They called themselves the Nightcaps. Yes. I think it was out of St. Louis or Utah. Yeah. Okay. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, I used. To, I was picking it up on KMOX out of St. Louis.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I mean, they had conventions. It was just like over the fence, neighbors chatting kind of thing. They never got real controversial with anything. And I, I used to love listening to that. And uh, so yeah, I, uh, I think uh, my interest in talk radio was at least equal to to music radio and uh, even to this day I probably listen to more talk than, than the music uh, side of things.
0: Yeah, I know Patricia and I sure have wondered that the same, in a way, it's talk radio and old time radio, in a way, go hand in hand because I guess it's such a verbal medium that you have to be interactive with. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You have to use your imagination about what people look like in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, um, I hadn't really thought about this before, but it seems that when you don't have other things distracting you and you can concentrate on what you're hearing, that it's a difference. Yeah. That happens in the comedies, and it happens in talk radio.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And even like the Arthur Godfrey show, uh, that was in the old-time radio uh, era, but that was could probably can be considered like a, at least part partly a talk show. Yeah. You know he he would interact with the, whoever he had on the show there with him or with the audience, and that was probably like the forerunner to a, a lot of today's talk shows.
1: Indeed it was. Well, Walden, is Brian going to join you tonight? Are you going to run shows? What is your schedule? Well,
0: I was about ready to let you guys go. Uh, whatever you want to do, Brian's supposed to join me in about 45 minutes or so. Okay. So what I have planned, the first show out of the box, I knew Patricia was going to be with me here. It's of course for McGee Molly, where he's decorating the Christmas. Are you serious? Yes, that is our first show. Oh,
1: thank you. What a
0: wonderful treat that is. Yeah, so that's what I had lined up for us tonight. So that will be our first show, and then we'll get to play radio shows. And when um, whenever Brian gets home from uh, uh, unloading the Christmas gifts to the nieces and nephews, uh, he'll be with me.
2: Would you yeah. agree with me, Walden, that if they were to do a remake of Fibber McGee and Molly, that Miss Patricia would probably make a great Molly?
0: A <laughs> good teeny. <genie>. Yes. <laughs> All right, we're doing our audition. Uh, Patricia, give us your best teeny. I know it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I mean, I be- see, any of those scenes between the character teeny and Fibber are just, you can't help but smile. Well, what? But-
0: Brian and I, well, this is why Brian took me away wait for another hour. We was realized that Teeny didn't always go by Teeny. Cool. So when the character first started it was Little Girl,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Sis, mm-hmm. Yeah. Teenie, mm-hmm. and then the Christmas show came up with a new one called Elizabeth. <laughs> That's right. So we were just noticing that the character Teeny Teenie had, would go by different names. And so... We were just sort of kicking that around as one of our many topics at 4 in the morning's East Coast time. What else are you going to do,
1: right? Right. Well, had a solid name. Molly used to call her little girl. Mm-hmm. Hello, little girl. Yep.
3: Oh.
1: So. Cute.
0: So Teenie will join us here on Yesterday USA. That
1: is so much fun. Thank
0: you for doing that. All righty. It was my
3: favorite.
2: <laughs>
0: Well, Merry Christmas
1: to both of you. Okay. Merry Christmas, Walden. Merry Christmas,
2: Ken. Same to you, Miss Pat.
1: And have a peaceful day tomorrow, both of you. Oh. Sound good. Well, we, we will close this
0: off with the Hollywood Choir, and we'll get ready for Ferry McGee and Molly. All right. Thank you, Walt. Good night, guys. Thanks so much. with us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And there they go. Now, let's get ready with the Hollywood Choir here on Yesterday USA. I don't know why Patricia is able to read my instincts right there because I was about ready to announce about ready to get into uh, radio shows. Yeah. Alright, we're going to send this out to Patricia. Fibber McGee and one of my top two Fibber shows, from December 20th, 1949. Merry Christmas everybody here on Yesterday USA.
4: Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's self polishing Coats present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. This is the time of year when most of us get our greatest pleasure and comfort out of our homes. With winter coming on, it's especially pleasant to sit in a warm, snug, attractive room and read or talk or listen to the radio. Now you can add to your enjoyment of these evenings if you make your rooms more beautiful with Johnson's Paste Wax. Your living room, for example, it's a much more attractive place to be if the floors have a polished wax luster. And the beauty that you give your floors with Johnson's Paste Wax is a beauty that lasts. Partly because Johnson's Wax forms a hard coat over your floors, a coat that protects the wood from dirt and scratches. And partly because a waxed and polished floor is so easy to clean. Dirt comes off that smooth surface with a few strokes of a dust cloth. Next time you go to the store, ask for Johnson's Paste Wax. Let it make your house a warmer looking, richer looking, pleasanter place to live in during the winter months ahead. Twain once said, everybody talks about the weather but nobody does anything about it. By the same token, a lot of people talk about early Christmas shopping, but how many do anything about it? Well, we can name two, Bibber McGee and Molly. McGee, do you remember
5: the bow you made about this time last year? Huh? Oh, you mean about putting the lawnmower away for the winter to keep it from getting snowed on? Well, don't think I forgot it, kiddo. I remembered it yesterday, but when I went out to put it away, it was under three foot of snow, and I couldn't find it.
3: <laughs> but next year,
5: I'm going to put a red flag on the handle, so no matter
0: how deep the snow gets No, down, no, no, no,
5: that's uh, not what I meant. No, no, no,
0: I pulled out the wrong one, I think. Hold on, folks. Give me a second here. I have to get out the right Christmas show that I promised Patricia. Okay? Give me a second. Maybe I know where it's at, so give me one second.
4: Okay, here we go. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's New Water Repellent Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Dick Legrand, Cliff Marquette, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra, including Ken Darby's own musical setting for The Night Before Christmas. Johnson's new glow coat is now water repellent. That's the biggest development in floor care in the past 15 years. At last, there's a self-polishing floor wax that does not show ugly streaks or dull drab spots when you wipe up still things. Water, spilled ice cubes or drinks packed in mud or snow wipe right off that hard glow coat surface. And you don't wipe off the wax when you wipe up the water. Johnson's glow coat stays on, stays bright, even after repeated damp mopping. In fact, water-repellent glow coat now lasts up to four times longer. No need for frequent repolishing. More long-lasting floor protection for your money. It's the most economical self-polishing floor wax you can buy. Tomorrow, shine up your floors for the holidays. Protect them from the wear and tear they're bound to get. Save yourself work. Save yourself money. Get Johnson's new water-repellent glow coat in the regular glow coat package. No change at all in the container. Ah, but what a wonderful difference inside. There has always been a lot of rivalry in Westville Vista over whose house is the most beautifully decorated for Christmas. Mr. McGee of number 79 has never placed in the first 25. Until maybe this year, because here in the hardware store, laying in a supply of outdoor lighting equipment, we find that once a year exterior decorator and his wife, Bibber McGee and Molly. That'd be all, Mr. McGee. The reason I ask is, on account I think you
5: got everything we had in the store. <laughs> well, let me see. Check the list over with me, bud. 900 foot of wire. Wire. Three pairs of pliers. Better make that five pairs. I keep losing them in the shrubbery. Why don't you get a dozen pairs, McGee? We could give the extra ones as Christmas presents. With a little card that says we'd like to have done something bigger for you, but we feel the pinch this year. <laughs> No, no, let's be practical, Molly. 300 assorted light bulbs. 300 light bulbs. Yeah, that's it. I'm sure 300 will be enough, dearie? That'll hardly light up the country as far as Kansas City. <laughs> no, no kidding, Molly. you got to allow for some of them burning out. I've had experience with these things. I'll bet you two bucks, kiddo, that the first person that comes to the door says, you got the prettiest decorated house on the whole block. Well, make it six dollars. I want that one across the board. Okay. <laughs> six bucks it is. Okay, bud, we got the bulbs, the wire, five rolls of friction tape, four bags of nails, Two cartons of holly and five dozen of sockets. Sockets.
4: Check. Well, uh, we'd prefer cash. <laughs>